To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch buck? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? I got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So this week I have on my buddy Matt Bateman. Uh, Matt is uh, he's a consistent killer with a bow in his hands, and it, it's so impressive. I just have an immense amount of respect for these guys that are doing it, you know, on public land, self-guided, uh, self-researched, and, and then with a bow and arrow. Because I know how extremely difficult it is. I know how hard I work at it year-round. Uh, to find consistent success. And so when I run into these guys that that, that find it and do it on a regular basis, um, it, it's just really impressive to me. And I love these conversations and I love digging deep into their minds to, to, to see how they think and, and, and how they theorize and, and to look at their mental toughness and attitude towards things and approach at hunting. And, and that's exactly what we did here. Um, I, I just, uh, I got on here with Matt and we just started talking hunting and let the conversation go where, where, wherever it led to. And, um, you know, he's, he's turned up and, and harvested a ton of, of, of next level mule deer, next level bulls, antelope, like with a bow and arrow, he's been there and done that, and and this year he struggled a little bit, and so we talk about the struggle, and 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 we talk about you know how he how he feels on things and being rattled at the at the shot, like missing a shot, and so it was really beneficial to me to to have this conversation, and I'm sure you guys are gonna enjoy it, and I I just thank Matt for being on the podcast, sharing so much information, and and it's all secrets that help him be successful, and then. And then also his honesty about talking about a miss and talking about messing up and then where he goes from there and and what he does. And there's no doubt in my mind that that Matt's going to continue to produce these next level critters just because of how hard he works at it, his dedication and his mindset. So just a great conversation. I really enjoyed it and I know you guys are going to enjoy it too. Sponsor for today's show is High Mountain Seasoning. Uh, High Mountain Seasoning has everything for your game needs, um, anything for processing, and I, I really like their their jerky dry rubs they have, and I've made three or four batches this year of jerky, and I've got one more to make from this last mule deer that I that I cut all up and then I froze and then I'll bring out and, and dethaw and then um, throw it in the dehydrator. But their jerky seasonings are just on point. They have such great flavor, and I, I can't even eat store-bought jerky anymore. Like It, it has to be homemade. Or, or nothing for me and and uh they they have tons of different flavors to choose from and and just do a great job at it but they also have everything for snack sticks for for summer sausage um they also have steak marinades um that are really good and and so just a great company that's coming out with great products so thanks to those guys for sponsoring the podcast make sure to check out high mountain seasoning and with that, over there at Eastman's, yeah, we're getting ready for show season. Um, I'm going to be a part of it this year, going to a couple shows. I'm pretty excited. I've never been to any show, and so I'm going to go to the ATA, and I think it's, um, I think I'm going to go to the Sportsman's Expo as well. So really looking forward to those couple shows, and then 
just working hard at my goals here. Um, man, oh man, I'm um, running like a madman at night with my headlamp, and I've got to incorporate some of these longer runs and and uh, some more elevation. But you know, I'm running in deep snow and cold, below zero, wind blowing. It's dark. Throw my headlamp on. Go get lost in the coolies and canyons at night. Um, but I'm just loving it, running with my dog and. You know, I'm getting in like three to six miles a day or whatever. Um, so, so nothing groundbreaking, but the degree of difficulty is pretty tough with the, the snow and the cold. And it's just like, it, it's sharpening my mind, making myself getting out there and running every day. You know, I'm going to be in the absolute best shape I can, but man, 2019, um, look out. I am going to work so hard at my goals this year. I'm working so hard on my shooting and my bows. I finally got my garage all cleaned up and organized again after the hunting season wreck. I mean, it was, it, it was a disaster out there. I just, I have, I have so much gear, which, you know, I'm not complaining, but I just, I have so much stuff that I'm trying to put in an area. And when I'm getting back from these hunts and I'm weekend warrior and hunting, you know, and I'm working a full week, I, stuff just gets laid around everywhere. So I'm finally organized, but I am really working with my bows this year, really working to become a better shot. I'm going to work on my indoor game a little bit, which really works on my form. And then my 3d shooting, I'm back to shooting a handheld, uh, shooting back tension style. You just have to execute shots the right way. Every time there's just no shortcuts to it. And so, um, really working on my shooting and, and, uh, working on getting my arrows in every day, working on my bows, just taking my shooting to a next level. It always comes down to making a shot, being in the best physical shape I can be that last hunt. Um, in the deep snow wore me out in those big mountains and, and I, I like to be able to always go for it, whatever I see, wherever I see it, be able to go on a play or go on a stock. And we talk about that in this podcast and have a pretty interesting conversation about it, but, um, just working extremely hard at my goals and at my passion. I'm my happiest when I'm putting in the hard work to to be able to accomplish my goals in this next season. So I got some great hunts coming up. I am going to try to make this January coos hunt and make that work. And, and uh, gosh, I'm going to arrow one of those things this year. Um, you know, I've got a good one under my belt, but uh, I definitely want to turn up another one. I got to hit that rut right this year. And uh, uh, mostly I want to see my buddy Dan get some opportunities and some chances at him. He went with me last year. We got some stocks on some bucks and some close calls, but um, it was, you know, I, I want to find better hunting. I want to see him be successful. I'd love to go two for two down there. So looking forward to that towards the end of January. So um, yeah, just working hard towards my goals, but I better get this thing rolling. I've been talking long enough. So um, Matt Bates, let me see, screw this intro up at the very end. Matt Bateman, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. All right, can you hear me? Oh, I got you good and clear now. Good. Well, yeah, we were we were just talking. I've been dying to get you on the podcast, Matt. We've had um we've had so many great conversations over the years and you're one of the the most consistent bow hunters I know for for all different different species and different habitats and and uh so man, it's just great to get you on the podcast. Well, I I appreciate you having me on. I, you know, I, I love always visiting with you, and uh, you know, you, the, the respect's mutual. I just have always respected you and how you do things, and and uh, your consistency and success. And and uh, my list of guys, I really look at and say, you know, that guy's doing it right, and, and just someone I really look up to and respect is is not that long, and you're on it. So fun to talk to you, man. Yeah. Um, glad glad we could do this. Be well, fun. 
Well, yeah, thank you. That's a heck of a compliment. Yeah, likewise. But we were just talking. Um, we were trying to get our audio right and just talking before the podcast. It, um, you've had a trying season, so usually it comes pretty easy for you. All I see is pictures of big animals across your feet, and you've done really well this year. You've harvested some good animals, but uh, I, I would say your passion, kind of like mine, is these big mule deer, and you spend a lot of your time hunting them. So um, you were you were saying you had a chance at a buck that you've been watching or trying to kill for two years. Is that right? Yeah, um, I it's a it's a deer that i i call him dracula is the name i've given him he's just a old wary buck that literally nocturnal most of the time he's always alone i've I've watched him multiple times over the last couple of years where the sun starts coming up and he literally literally runs i mean just runs for the pines or the ridge just super super nocturnal and and wary and and uh, just big old mature deer has all the characteristics you know big pot belly and huge body and and carrying a lot of mass and just a an old deer you know and and uh just super wary and smart and i i came really close last year to killing him i i sat on him in his bed one day from basically daylight to dark i mean i put him to bed early in the morning i slipped in and and I sat on him all day. He stood up four times during the day, and I just never had an angle to shoot. Um, he was in some brush, and and uh, at dark, literally right at dark, he stood up. And, you know, if he came in or out of the direction he went in, I I had just the perfect opportunity. But he stood up right at dark like he knew I was there and just turned and walked straight away, not giving me an opportunity. And, and uh, so, you know, just a deer like that just gets in your blood. It gets under your skin. Um, it's just a, I, I love it. I love the, the chess match with an animal like that. And, and, uh, and so I, I never got an opportunity last year. That was really my best chance. And, um, after that, he kind of vanished on me. And this year he actually, he was non-existent. I could, I'd never saw him during daylight hours. Um, ended up getting a couple trail cam pictures of him in the dark and, uh, just, just kind of a lucky deal you know we we get these little breaks every once in a while and and i hiked into my camp the night before the opener and and um and i got in early enough i was i wanted to do a little scouting the hunt opened the next morning so i hiked in and got my gear situated at camp and and uh hiked over to this drainage where he kind of frequented and and uh there was a couple other shooter deer in there this year i'd scouted and I, i wasn't really expecting to find dracula but right at dark i caught movement antlers right underneath me and and uh and i saw i found i could see a piece of antler and right at dark he stood up under me it was him and uh and so actually uh kip was hiking in that night my hunting partner to his camp which was about a mile from me and and so i i, I contacted kip and and uh that night i called him and said dude i got a i got eyes on dracula and here's where he was at and and uh, long story short, the next morning, Kip got, got eyes on him right at first daylight, you know, just just the wary old deer he was. He he was hardly out during daylight, but Kip got eyes on him first first thing in the morning, right where I'd seen him, basically, and, and Kip watched him slip into some pines and, and told me where he'd went in. And so I waited all day, got the thermals right, and about ooh, 3, 30, 4 o'clock that next afternoon, I 
I, I started slipping in, um, just, you know, easing into this area and, and got into where I, you know, I felt like, man, I'm, I'm close to where Kip had eyes on him. And, and I just came through some pines on my back, just inching along. And, and I caught antlers move 35 yards from me. And, uh, he had no idea I was there and I, he was on his feet. And, uh, anyways, it just couldn't have come together better. And he, I saw his, his big 30 inch framed deer. So just, you know, I saw his head turn away from me and, and a deer like that's just impressive and, and awesome to be close to. And, and he came stepping out at what I'd pre-ranged at 40 yards, but it all happened so fast. I just, I don't know. I didn't cut quite enough for the slope and, and he's so wary when I took the shot, he, he really ducked and, and rolled and, and I shot high. So just a heartbreaker for me you know, uh, an opportunity, a shot I've made millions of times in practice and, and, and on animals and, and just, just devastating for me to not, not seal the deal. And, uh, so after that, it just was, I put on literally probably a couple hundred miles the rest of the season searching for that deer and, and trying to get eyes on him again. And, and, uh, he must've gone and hold up somewhere because I could never do it. So, Oh man, what a but, heartbreaker! Uh, yeah, it, it was, and especially when it's a deer you've you've got a track record with and have hunted for a long time, and and you know you know as well as I do on public land and in that terrain, those opportunities that true giant mule deer like that are, are rare. That good of an opportunity to be be under forty yards with him not knowing I'm there, and and you know just. It it shook me mentally and everything, you know, my confidence and and I was it was a grind for me this season going into the year. I'd had my shoulder surgery and I was just trying to get back to physical shape and shooting shape and all these different things. And so it it shook me pretty good. I'm not gonna lie, and it's still haunting me. I've, I've replayed it in my mind. I can't tell you how many times. And and uh, you know, it's 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 been a so, anyways, that was the opening day of, of Utah deer season, my first hunt of the year, and and so I've been trying to get my act together since and grinding and hunting hard and and uh, you know loving it, but but that one that one's gonna hurt for a while. Oh, that one stings, yeah. Um, <laughs> man, oh man, that buck has to be so impressive. If this is the the second year you're trying to kill him, it, there's just nothing better than those big heavy older deer they're just almost like a different species and i love the yeah. nick, the nickname of him dracula because he never shows himself during daylight that's perfect yeah man. He's, um man he's, what a buck he's an awesome buck and then uh, you know like i said he, he he probably wouldn't score as my highest scoring deer but impressive wise and and he he would be up there at the top. He's a true giant, typical deer with a 30 inch frame, and just just an awesome buck. And uh, you know those opportunities are hard to come by. So man, in like oh, well. like you say, Good. like shots like that, uh, you've made a million of those on uh, or hundreds of those, you know, and and thousands yeah. in practice, but hundreds on animals. I mean, you're automatic with that bow when you get a chance, usually. But we all miss. And, uh, yeah, and it gets inside our psyche and inside our head, and I I absolutely hate it. Yeah, the the, the yeah, biggest – I had an absolute giant in Colorado this year, the one I've been looking for for, 
you know, the last few years anyway, you know, 210 typical super wide frame like that, you know, over and above like that 34, 36, just that super impressive buck. And I, there wasn't um, as many deer around there because of the bad winter, but I found that good buck. And, um, you know, finding those bucks and killing them is just two different deals, you know. You, you right. think – you think that you find a buck like that 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 you know we've we've both killed enough mature mule deer that it's just a matter of time we'll just be patient make our play but it's just not that way those deer win a lot of the times and and this buck it was it it shook me and it was the same deal it just an absolute heartbreaker where I got in and there was like six or seven bucks with him and I could have shot every buck with him and, and every buck right. with him I could have shot it under 40 yards and I was just waiting for the big boy to stand and come out of the trees and and finally he did and I was in a perfect position I had a perfect win and I was kind of sheltered behind some jack firs and so you know I couldn't really feel the wind as strong coming left to right but you know out in front of me you know tree limbs are moving and grass is moving and it's blowing a good you know 10 15 miles an hour so i've got a perfect win and he comes out 30 yards draw on him once at 30 yards he doesn't stop and then turns and starts walking away from me you know and so i let down you know i get another chance at around 50 or so you know right there and then he turns again and then comes out by these bucks and so it's a little bit of a longer shot for me but but one i practice constantly and so i finally get right. you know that broadside angle and he's like high 60s like 68 69 just the the max at what i want to take any shot but definitely one i should make every time i take and, um, you know, you draw back and you, you're right, you're in kind of this fuzz of adrenaline where you can't think of multiple things. You can only think at one, right. you know. And so I, you know, my, my main thing is to put my pin where I want it and then let it aim, just let it settle there. And then my aiming starts to slow down and then that's where I execute. And boy, that, that shot executed it just perfectly, settled on his body and uh, I loose the arrow. And I just watched that arrow just drift from left to right and drift right in front of his chest and, you know, stick in the grass by him. And he's, he goes bounding off. And I, I just didn't compensate for the wind drift. You know, it, was, right. it wasn't too windy where I was, but the whole shot was a left to right wind. And, and, you know, with those broadheads and those arrows, what that wind drift will do, you know, a foot is no yeah, problem at sure. all. But man if i just 70 yards ah if i just would have leaned my bubble over and and i live in ennis montana the windiest valley in montana i shoot in the <laughs> wind every day but man it just kills you and then it gets inside your head where it it almost yeah. rattles your confidence and even though it's only one arrow in one shot it's it's like you said like you just don't get those chances at those type of bucks that often and then man that buck he was on to me he just disappeared i looked for him for days he never showed up in that basin any of the surrounding basins you know anywhere i could look i don't know if he he dropped down but he did what big bucks do and and uh, disappeared and didn't give me any more opportunities but man what a heartbreaker yeah sounds sounds real similar to my situation i i uh you know i can I'll keep my fingers crossed that Dracula gives me a, a round three next season because uh, it'd be quite a story to to have it come together. But uh, but yeah, those those ones shake you. And I mean, I I literally I went home. I hiked off the mountain after that, and and I went home and I I made that shot on my my foam target in my backyard, my 3D deer target. I shot that exact yardage over and over and over again for three days. You know just that exactly because i just had to get in my head that 
watching my my arrow hit the spot at at 37 yards a shot that i just can't fathom not making and and uh like i said it was it was been a tough one but well, and a lot you know, of times, from them. yeah, a lot of times those misses too. Like you say, you know, it it happens so quick. And I'd say one out of three or one out of four mule deer will jump my string or react to the sound of my bow before the arrow gets there. Um, you know, it right. sounds like that could have been the case. Or yeah. the the other scenario too is like you had ranged a spot. And boy, if he just walks out a yard or two behind that, or in your case, you shot high on him, if he just walks a yard or two in front of where you had ranged, sometimes you're not ranging the deer, you have the spot range. Like sometimes he can just be like a touch closer and you end up sailing one over his back. But man, it's such a precision game. Like I, I, right. um, it's, it's a game of inches, and that's exactly what, you know, I mean, I, I won't make any excuses, and I, but I, it happened really fast. I I came through. Like I said, I I I had to get on my back to slide under some pine boughs, and and my goal was to get through this little patch of pines on the bottom side of it, to where I had a good shooting lane under me, to where I thought he was bedded and thought he would feed out or or show himself. I he's so wary. I didn't dare get any closer without having eyes on him. So um, when I caught antlers moving at 35 yards or approximately behind these pines, and he and I, I caught him moving and turning to come out. I was ranged, hurried, knocked up, and and I knew if I waited for him to fully walk out and tried to draw, it was super quiet and one of those dead calm, almost eerily calm afternoons, and I knew he was so wary anyways. I mean, he was scared of his own shadow. I just I just knew I, I it was one of those scenarios. I had to draw before he his head cleared the pines and be at full draw when he came out, and so it, it just happened really fast, and between not it was pretty steep downhill shot and I didn't cut quite enough, but he, he turned inside out as much as any, you know, he's, I've seen it a lot with whitetail I've hunted and stuff, especially like South Texas or whatever, these skittish little deer, or coos deer or whatever that just on, you know, wired and crazy and turn inside out. But this deer, when I shot, he did the same thing. He ducked and rolled and, and, and just, took off crashing through trees and i watched him come through a clearing 1200 yards away from me still on the dead run he just (laughs) (laughs) he's probably still going i guess (laughs) well uh there's so many um nuances to being in close range and getting a shot like you talk about drawing before he comes out in the open so he doesn't catch you drawing like there's just so many nuances to your movements and reading the animals and and when you're in that close proximity of any game animal but especially those mule deer you just can't get away with hardly anything you know it's just crazy what they'll pick up on um right you know and it it's easy to make those mistakes just in that close range and not even mistakes but just trying to get the shot where they'll they'll catch it and then you end up not getting the shot you know those, right, um, right those so you yeah when hunting. i got back to full draw i thought it was a done deal because to me in my mind the hard part was over at that point you know here I found myself 37 yards from this giant mule deer I've been hunting at full draw in a perfect position. He doesn't know I'm there. He's broadside. In my mind, I was already <laughs> I was already getting him mounted up and putting him on my wall, you know. And then maybe that's part of the mistake. But but uh, yeah, you're right. And there's so much that goes into getting that opportunity. And 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 uh, it's a heartbreaker. But like I said, 
you know, makes us appreciate the, the ones that do come together, makes us, and we learn from the, our mistakes and, and just makes us better. So drives me more. Some people might uh, let it ruin them and, and it's eight at me, but it'll just motivate me and drive me more to, to, to be better and be successful. So, yeah, man, it's, uh, it, it's so funny how like um, how similar mindsets of, of consistently successful hunters are. I'm like the same way. I you know I missed that buck and I I was like man it's the best thing for me. It'll motivate me this entire year. You know it'll make me a better right. archer. It'll make me work harder. It just makes you want to create that opportunity and and you do you learn from it, but you you do have to let it go too and so just say yep. okay I just got to get back to hunting. I got to try to create another opportunity like that's that's all i can do at this point because as bad as you want it back as bad as you want that shot again and you're sitting in your backyard just pounding that target at 37 yards we just don't get those moments back but that's that's also like why they're so special and like um and and it's it's trying to control yourself under that intense amount of pressure which you're extremely good at but you know like um you you just you, you can't have those moments back all you can do is try to improve and get better and get back to hunt and get back to what you do best yep absolutely yeah you gotta move on yep so. when well, so you've been um so that was your early season and so where you're at there you have this uh unique opportunity where you get to hunt early and if you don't harvest your deer you get to hunt late during the rut and um i've really been working on my late season muley game just trying to find more mature deer more bucks and i'm spending more time looking at different areas in different states but um and you've done really good. I still remember that huge, dark-horned, heavy um, buck that you killed in the late season there. I'll always remember that picture, that giant one that you harvested. But those things are sure a challenge in the late season, aren't they? Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, they're two totally, they're, they're like two totally different hunts. You know, I, I absolutely love early season in the high country, velvet deer summer patterns and bachelor groups above timberline and i love playing that game and i love packing in gear and 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 hunting and and you know that's that's one of my favorite things if not my favorite hunting um or type of hunt to do but then you know it just kind of seems i go through these stretches where you know i kill early or or uh, for a couple years and then then i don't and and so i focus and I hunt year round and it gets, there's that stretch in late September through October. It gets pretty darn tough. The deer transition into different terrain a little bit and, and polish off their antlers and, and get not as patternable in my opinion. And then the, the terrain, it's noisier and, you know, it just, it just changes and I hunt year all the way through, but then you get this, this late season, November where you get the rut and, and, um, I've had some good success, you know, late season here in Utah as well. And like I said, really lucky to have this extended season where I basically can hunt from August till the end of November. And, and, uh, but yeah, it's, it's got its challenges in itself. And, and, uh, I've tried all kinds of different tactics and, and, uh, I've been up slipping and sliding around the mountains all week this week and the last couple of weeks it's been, we've got a little bit of snow and then rain and it's just been a mess kind of up there. And, and, uh, and uh but it's it's a riot i love doing it and and um you know i've got one more day actually tomorrow's the last day and gonna be really crappy weather and and but i'm gonna go give it one last hurrah um head out early in the morning and hunt all day and 
and see what happens. So, um, but yeah, it, it's challenging, but it's, I love it. I love these big, big winter coats and big dark antlers and, and it's, uh, just kind of a unique, different, different type of hunt than the early season hunt. For yeah. Sure. That's, and well, and that's what I like to, like, I like a, I like a dark horn polished up winter coat muley, like you're talking about. I like that. Almost as much as I like the early season, like I love the early season and gnarly habitat, but yeah, that late season, those polished up horns, man, is that fun. Um, but yeah, the challenges are the weather, like the, the spot I've been hunting, you know, it's big, huge mountains, but it's a foot to two feet of snow and, um, right. it just exhausts me getting around. And then the temperatures are well below zero and to get away from the crowds, you know, I, I need to get back so far, so I can't even day hunt them. And so, you know, I need to get, like, a little stove with a tent set up that I can pack. But right now, all I have is, like, a wall tent that you can set up out of your truck with a with a stove. So, you know, I'm just bivy sacking up next to a fire. It's zero degrees, frigid on the vantage points. It seems like your feet never warm right. up. But, but deer cruising around, but then... You know, it, it even like finding good deer is one thing. Getting on them is a whole another thing, and they are preoccupied with the does. But man, those things never stop moving. No, they I are was, so tough. Yeah, I was on a good buck all afternoon on Tuesday, and he was with a hot doe, and it was I ran up and down this spine and set up and looped down and around and. I climbed up and down this mountain. I don't know how many times. Just they were. There's just zero pattern, and and you know, it, and all over the place, zigzagging, and you know, I never got my opportunity. There was a couple times I was close, and just it, just never got that chance. It's it's, and I love playing this game late season. One of my favorite tactics is I I get on. I find it if I find a mature buck and, and with those or whatever, um, the same. And that's one of the fun things you mentioned earlier. I hunt a lot of different species, and I use this exact same tactic for antelope, spot stock antelope during the rut. I, I like to just slip in and get as close as I can, you know, 100 yards, 120 yards from where they're at and, and keep concealed, and, and then I just wait and sit it out because they're moving and they're chasing, and so often they end up in your lap or, you know, and so often they don't, but it's one of my favorite tactics because it just it's worked well for me in the past. and. And, uh, but yeah, you get on these, on these hunts and you're freezing and you're on these ridges trying to get above these deer or cut them off or whatever. And it's just sub-zero temps and cold and snowy and your feet are cold and it just brings a whole new element of challenges to it. And, and, uh, you know, I, I love it and, uh, I can go survive anything for a day or two, I figure. And, and, uh, but some days I just can't wait to get back to the truck and turn the heater on and warm my toes up too, you know? So. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Yeah. <laughs> well, and it, you know, I, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. And as hunters, we're right. just constantly, you know, improving our mental game. But yeah, it does make you tougher when you're, when you're trying to thrive in that, that those cold temps and deep snow. But yeah, those things never stop moving. I've, I've been in range of multiple mature bucks and I harvested a, a real good one here in Montana and he didn't score the best or anything, but, but really dark, heavy, horns older buck just super stoked with them um able to kill him but um 
yeah, I was in bow range of a few different bucks, and even that one, I'd, I'd get a range as he's chasing the doe, and he'd stop, and I'd get a range, and then I, you know, set my bow, and I'd go to draw back, and then there he is moving again, you know, and 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 pretty right. soon I'd almost have to range the doe and draw back and then wait for the buck to stop and then i could settle my pin but yeah it's a whole different game those things are constantly cruising and and i had like what would have been my best late season buck was my first stock of the year and um man i crept in on him and he was actually it was just the start of the rut and he had some does he was messing with but he finally bedded by his does and i crept right into range 45 yards of him in his bed and i thought there is no way he is getting out of here without me shooting him you know and then he stands up and he turns and i had kind of a quartering towards that i think i could have tucked it in there but you know how bow hunting is usually patience pays off and you you just can't take a bad angle you 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 can't risk it trying to force it in too tight or in too tight of a window like i'll just wait i'll get a quartering away or a good broadside so i just wait and he rubs on this tree and i kind of pass that shot and he beds back down no angle and then and then another buck came up and another buck down below me, and he just gets up and pins his ears back and walks dead away from me, you know. It stops at one point. I try to range and get drawn, and then back to that buck, you know. And, and then a doe catches me because I'm trying to get a shot at him, and so I've got to hold still. And the the smaller buck comes up, you know, right in bow range. Could have shot him, of course, and comes up and starts chasing that doe. And then that, that big buck circles around, picks up two more does, and now he's up above me coming down, and now he's in bow range, and same deal where I'm trying to get a range, and I'm trying to get set, you know, and, and now I'm pretty exposed. Like, beforehand, they were down below me over the crest of the hill, but now they're at same elevation, and there's nothing to hide behind. I'm just hiding behind right. blades of grass, you know, and so they're kind of staring at me, and where I made my mistake, the two does finally forgot about me and worked down in the timber, and so he starts moving after them, and, and and stops up there on the ridge and that's where i tried to draw my bow but i was just too exposed and he caught the movement and blew out of there but yeah that that late season game it is so challenging it it's like it's almost it's like a cat and mouse it's a cat and mouse game for sure it's it's uh it's fun but isn't no. it yeah it's so challenging um but then you you guys had a good elk trip this year um you're a great elk hunter as well. Harvested a good bull elk hunting. Um, I think you guys crossed borders and went and hunted a different state this year for elk. Looks like you got uh, helped Kip out, kill his uh, best bull today, which was really neat. You and Kip have such a, a unique friendship, which I always love and draw from, is you guys are always looking out for each other, pulling for each other, helping each other out wherever you can. You have such a, a great hunting partner or partnership between you two that that I that I really admire. Yeah, it's uh you know, it's just it's just a lot of fun. Um, you know, Kip and I hooked up oh, oh I think it was like eleven years ago we we started kinda hunting mule deer full time together and and uh, we just kinda hooked up and, and he'd killed a giant deer and and we got talking about it and, and I'd killed a big deer the year before and, and we just uh, he'd killed his early season. I'd killed my late season, and we just kind of got talking, and you know, we just hit it off, and we we both had kind of the same the same drive and and love for hunting big mule deer, and we just started doing a little scouting together and hunting together, and and since you know we've we've just been on a ton of trips together and hunts together, and we're we're best of friends outside of of hunting, and and we've been through some 
some awesome times together and some 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 heartache with family and and different things and you know we just got an awesome bond and and we love doing it together and and it's fun to have someone like that you know where truly I'm I'm just as happy for his success as mine and really kind of you know we go through a season and and Kip killed an awesome mule deer uh you know shortly the week weekend after I'd hit Dracula not far from where I was hunting Dracula and I was there with him on that and and you know it just it just kind of it really just doubles our success we're we're both successful and and I'm just as happy for him when he kills and he's just as happy for me when I kill and we're there to help each other and support each other and and uh you know I love getting out and hunting on my own but man we just have a lot of fun together we do and and have had a, a bunch of success together and just makes it a lot of fun so yeah. Well, and you're so selfless. Like you say, you're always pulling for your buddy and it's 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 the only way or the best way a hunting relationship works. It's it's really tough to to let your your ego go or uh to not like oh, the jealous feelings are are a human emotion that's that's right. in our DNA. Like it's hard you know, when your buddy kills a big buck not to be a little jealous, but you have to flip that around and be happy for him, you know, and be right. be stoked for him and like you say a good hunting partner he makes you better when you're totally honest with each other you share information and you both are working so hard to find mature mule deer like i've got a really good hunting buddy of mine dan that, that we've just evolved the same way over the years you know and and um yeah, it makes you way better, and and enjoying it together too is a big part of it. It's really fun to enjoy it with a buddy and look back on it. But yeah, you guys do such a good job of, of helping each other out, being happy for each other's success, and like you say, just really good hunting partners. But it's really it's really fun to see that friendship between you guys. Yeah, it, it, and it's a lot of fun to have it for sure, and and I don't take it for granted. You know, I mean, like I said, it's it's hard to come by that and. And uh, it's funny, I get asked, oh, how do you guys decide who goes after this deer or that deer or who, you know, who shoots this elk or we, it, it's not even a, an issue, you know, we just kind of know or just kind of, we're, we're both super unselfish that way with each other. And, and, and I think we both really feel like we're going to get our opportunities, you know, today's your turn, but we, we, we hunt hard enough, we're there for each other even if one of us kills the other guy's just there the rest of the season and and we know we're just going to pound it and each get our chances and and uh you know so it's it's just there's we're truly happy for each other and it and it you know you get to this stage we're all at different stages in hunting and and i've been through you know i've been through that stage where you're trying to prove yourself or you're trying to kill your first big deer or whatever you you know you may feel some of that jealousy um seeing other guys kill a big buck or whatever but it's kind of, it's just fun we're at a stage where we've both killed some great animals and and we're both as dedicated to hunting big animals as anyone i know but we have fun and it's okay if we don't fill our tag um, we want to kill a big buck but <clears throat> but you know it, it just it's it's uh there's just not that pressure that you have to and uh, so we're just able to enjoy it and have a great time and, and staying relaxed and, and having fun while you're doing it, I think, really leads to helping you have success. You're not putting so much pressure on yourself and and uh, not stressing about it. And, 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 you know, and I think that's one thing that's missing a lot anymore of this industry is you've got to get back to archery hunting is a blast and you got to get back to having fun and enjoying it and not being so worried about uh, feeling pressure to shoot something or what everyone else might think. So, 
Um, and so that's the dynamic we have. We just have a blast together and, and, and we work well together. And, and we were trying to tally it up the other day in the last decade, we've killed dozens of mule deer together since we started hunting together. It's just a, just a blast. So, yeah, I, well, and, and, and me too, I had to go through a transition in my mindset and not that I, you know, not that I was ever jealous of anybody else. Well, I, you know, that isn't true. Like you, you were a little bit, but I had to change my mindset and just comparison is the thief of all happiness. You know, you're comparing yourself right. to everybody else or what everybody else is doing. And, and you make such a great point, Matt, uh, just relaxing and enjoying the hunt. Like we're out there to have fun and in the adventure. And it seems to me like, like I'm always the first one to give up a stock or give it to my buddy, but my buddies are the same way. You know, we go back and forth and we almost argue, you know, I argue for him going right. on the stock and he argues for me going on the stock. But when you do <laughs> give a buddy a stock on a giant animal, like I always feel like it returns twofold to you. Like if I give oh, my yeah, buddy Dan sure. a, a stock on a big critter, like um, he's so appreciative or, or he harvests that buck or whatever happens. But Dan's going to turn up another buck and another drainage one time and, and you know, he's going to he's gonna come and get me and give me the stock or he's going to take me into his best hunting spots because we just don't keep secrets from each other, you know. So right. if he finds this epic hunting spot, it, you know, it, it might not even be a place that I've even looked at or explored or, or researched. And Dan goes, hey, you better come in here with me. This, this place is going off, you know. Let's go in there and we'll go shoot right. you a buck. But it always returns twofold. So, yeah, you, yeah, you, you got to change your mindset, and it's tough. There's so many big bucks coming across our feed in social media. You know, I think it's tough for guys right. not to get caught up in the competition of things. And, and when you're putting that much pressure on yourself and you're so upset if you mess up an opportunity, like it, it's just not the right approach. The right approach is to have fun, embrace the adventure, embrace the time you have with your buddies, and then it just seems like success just comes your way for sure and and you know i've had to consciously at times make that effort and and to say you know what it's okay if you don't fill your tag you're, you're so blessed and lucky to be able to do this stuff and and have the health to do it for one and and have the opportunity to do it for two and 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 you gotta just learn to enjoy the process because if we base our 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 love for archery off just punching tags and just killing something you know, you're never going to stick with it. You're never going to be dedicated to it forever because there's going to be those times you don't fill your tag. There's going to be those seasons that are tough. So, you know, that's one thing over the years. I've just really learned to love everything about it from the preparing to the scouting to the watching my buddies have success and, and being involved with that. And, and my times come, you know, I get my my uh my moments in the spotlight so to speak and and kill my animals and and i'd love having a you know even if kip's not on the mountain with me or i'm not with him we usually hike in to help pack it out together and just just that camaraderie and, and just learning to enjoy the whole process has been so huge and 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 kip's been a giant motivation to me in so many ways and and i i know the the feelings mutual there and and we just we just uh, are there for each other and and um you know, we, we work as a team, you know, we really do. And, 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 you know, I've, I've probably hunted a lot more different species around the the globe than him. And, and over the last few years, we've branched away a little bit from our traditional, uh, our muley hunting together. And, and we've done some elk hunts and, and we've gone to Alaska and we've, we've got 
really into going back to the Midwest hunting whitetail, and and it's just been a blast, you know, doing all this together and sharing all these adventures and experiences, and, and I wouldn't change it for the world, you know. I mean, it, it just makes it that much better to share it with a, a close friend. Doesn't it? And when you make a good point, no matter how good you get, like um, we, we've taken on the most difficult challenge that, that I've ever found, and that's bow hunting mature animals. Like, um, you know, to set your sights that high, it's so difficult. Like the, the degree of difficulty is so high that, you know, you you are going to fail here in there. And a bow hunting failure is a prerequisite to get better. You have to fail a lot. You have to Absolutely. mess up stocks. You have to miss shots. You have to, you know, go places where there are no animals and you have to just keep believing and keep hiking, but you better have fun while you're doing it. You got to enjoy the process right. and in, enjoy, you know, the, the trials and tribulations beca- because it's all worth it in the end. And, and, and whether you kill something or not, feels great to, to fill your chest tag on a mature animal but even just the adventure that you get to go have like on our on on the wildest places in the in the 48 lower 48 or you know alaska hawaii like all these places we get to go see like like the most pristine beautiful mountain ranges and, and just the coolest lands we can and then to, to test our skills against mature animals like it just doesn't get any better so like a like yeah. you say guys just got to embrace the experience and embrace the adventure and it's so fun when you have a like-minded individual that's really looking out for you that that you build this bond and relationship with when you can share it together for sure yeah it's it's a, it's a blessing for sure to be able to do it all and and uh you know I I'm not going to say I'm old but as I've got older I uh I really that's been one of the biggest keys is just learning to embrace and love the the whole process of everything and and accept accept not having to kill something but but uh, stay committed and dedicated to to working my butt off all year long to to have that happen and if it doesn't I walk away knowing I gave it my all and I had some unreal adventures and and you know the future's bright I got a lot of hunts ahead and a lot of opportunity to to have success and and uh, so. You know, as long as I walk away feeling like I gave it my all and, and you know, what what else can you ask for? Like you said, we, we're just blessed to be able to do all these things and, and, and experience all these things that so many people don't get the chance to do, so... Yeah, well, and um, like you say, when you're a young man, you are just so driven to to prove yourself and to to fill right. that tag. And 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 not that I'm any less driven. In fact, you know, I think I'm in better shape. Like I, I, I think I'm I'm in better shape than I was. I'm a better hunter than I was. But my mindset's just kind of changed where I enjoy it more now. Where it, it's just not so. You know, it's definitely goal orientated, and I love working hard, and I love pushing the entire season and leaving it all on the field that feels so good to me but it's just like i've kind of changed my mindset around to where i'm still driven but you're right if i if i come up unsuccessful or come up short and i gave it my all i i still appreciate the trip and the experience and the time out you know and i i think that's such an important mindset in today's day and age so yeah i don't as we mature we kind of start to find that a little bit more i think yeah for sure it's it's uh Things change, especially as you, you know, like I said, it's, and my whole dynamic has changed from being a young, a young guy with, when I was single and had all the time in the world and, and maybe took it for granted. And now, you know, juggling, <clears throat> juggling life and, and family and kids and all these different things. I, I just have learned to embrace the opportunities I get to go and take advantage of them and, and, 
and it's just it's just a little different than than I was maybe 10 15 years ago but but like you said I'm I feel like I train to be in better shape than I've ever been I, I I'm a better hunter than I was before and 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 you know it just kind of seems like the it just kind of changes a little bit your your mentality and attitude about it all but but I'm just as passionate and and motivated as ever but I've just learned to enjoy the whole process and 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 I can live with not having to fill a tag if that's what it comes down to. Yeah, no, there's definitely more balance, and you know, I'm I'm also trying to be a, a great father and a great husband, and you know, you got work responsibilities, and I I always want to make sure I I take care of my job. You've got to make money to pay your bills, so but but there too, you got to kind of not that you forget about those things when you're in the mountains, but you know, when I'm in the mountains and I've scheduled that time, like that's what I'm doing. I am I am totally yep. focused on that, and I think that's where a lot of my enjoyment comes too, is I. You know, to 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 go back in the hills and to be a mountain hunter, like it it takes absolutely all your focus. But that's all I think about. My my brain, all I'm thinking about is hunting and trying to find a buck and trying to get the opportunity. And oh, they're not here where they're going to be at. And I think a big part of being successful is like evolving to the conditions that you're getting, like um, adapting to the right. conditions that are in front of you. You know, if you're not finding deer, like, yeah, you, you could give up and, and head home or, you know, because this basin that you planned all year that's supposed to hold the bucks, they're not there. But instead, my mind just keeps grinding and keeps working, and I start theorizing, well, okay, they're not here. Maybe they're in the next drainage. Where can I walk from here? Okay, I can take this ridge line. I can glass these other three drainages. But I, I just – I love that grind, and I love adapting to the conditions that are given to me and, and adapting, like – to find animals adapting the stock like you have this these things that you or this way you like to stock like say high country mule deer i i like to to bed them and then i like to get the thermals coming uphill i like to move in close and then i like to let them make the last move and get up and walk out but it just doesn't always play out that way. Sometimes you find a buck on a lee wind side where you never can approach from above, or you do and you you spook him, but you just can't get that wind right because it keeps swirling over the top of the ridge. And so now all of a sudden your mind starts working. And I think as humans, it's our biggest asset is being able to think and theorize, you know. And so I've had bucks right. where I've sat for days just trying to figure out the puzzle, like how I'm going to get close. And then <laughs> and then finally it comes to me like. Oh, no, I need to stock early in the morning before the sun hits this basin. I've got a downhill thermal. It's consistently right. downhill. This is the only consistent wind that this drainage or this hillside ever has. Like, now I need to approach from below in the morning or, you know, say, you know, below but same elevation and creep over a little ridge or a little rise. But, man, I, I just love that. I love when my, my brain's just immersed in the challenge. Like, that's a lot of the fun for me. Yeah, and I, like I said, I love that part of it too—the the strategizing of how to how to get it done—and and you go through those tough stretches and okay, what do we need to do? What do we need to change? And, and that's fun. Kip and I have fun doing that. We look at these scenarios and we sit and talk. All right, let's you know come up with this strategy. We're like drawing out a, a battle plan here of how we're going to get this deer killed. And and sometimes we've got super creative and 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 done things that are way outside the box of what you'd think of as, as traditional spot and stock mule deer hunting and and we've had success doing some of these things and that's the fun thing and that's one of the reasons i i love it i i've killed animals so many different ways i've 
I've done that traditional stock where you you get the thermals right and you slip in and wait for them to stand up in their bed. And I've I've literally ran up ridges to get to them, and I've I've crawled and I've slept in spots to try and cut deer off. And we've intentionally bumped them to each other. And we've there's just so many different tactics we've done. And 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 I think that ultimately, you know, and that's one of the reasons I find myself trying different tactics for different species, or I you know, and incorporating that into hunting other animals. And it's just fun. I just love the whole strategy of it and, and trying to get creative and trying to come up with with um, ways to be successful. And, and uh, just it's just, I just love it. It just eats me up all the time. And, and uh, you know, it's just a lot of fun. So. Well, and there's no, like, um, there's high percentage plays, but there's no, like, given way to kill any animal that you're looking at. It is no. all about your strategy. And like you say, right. sometimes unconventional things work, but it's it's just looking at that scenario and trying to dissect it and figure out wh- what's my what's my best approach here. How can I get the the wind right? How can I – there's just – there's – um. It, you know, there's there's so many facets that go into to making a successful stock. Um, but yeah, that's what I love too, and and I think that's why um, you know bow hunting to us means so much is that it is so difficult and that you know it's all engaging you know that that you right. you really have to use every bit of your mind power and your physical fitness and then you know to try to keep cool during the shot and um there's just so much that goes into it and it's so challenging that that I don't you know I get pretty good at it and pretty proficient at it you know I don't know if I'll ever master it like I'm always learning I'm always trying to get better yeah, for sure. I don't feel like, you know, I mean, even even those that are the, the that may be considered the best in the world at archery hunting or whatever, you know, they they're I don't know what the percentage is of success per stock, but it it's not that high, you know. I mean, it doesn't matter how good you are, how how much you think you've learned. Um, there's just so many different things that can happen and go wrong, and and you know, for it all to come together. Um, you know, that's why it's so rewarding and so awesome. Uh, the more challenging it is and the harder you work at it, just the, the better that, that feeling is of, of finding, a, you know, finding success. So, um, you know, and that's one thing that I've learned over the years. I, uh, you know, I'd say all in all, the way Kip and I hunt, particularly mule deer and, and me with most species, um, you know, there's, there's, we play the patience game and we play the strategizing game, but I'd say all in all, we're, we're pretty dang aggressive with our approach a lot of times. If, if we see something that is a shooter, we want to go after, uh, it doesn't matter where it is or how far away it is or whatever. If it's physically possible to get there, we try because, you know, I'm all about, um, you know, law of averages. The, the more times you put yourself in those scenarios where it could happen, eventually it will. And, uh, so I just keep grinding and grinding and grinding and, and, you know, the wind's going to squirrel or, or they're going to bust you or, or they're going to get up and move while you're out of sight or there's all these different things that are going to happen. That's a given, but the more times you try, the more times you put yourself in those situations where it could happen, it will. And when it does, you're just like, wow, did that really just go down? You know? And, and, and that's what I always encourage when, when people ask me, you know, or new bow hunters or kids or whatever, I just, you know, I just encourage them to, to try and try and try. Like you said, you, 
That's how we learn. You learn from your mistakes. Every stock you go on that fails, you learn something. Every time you go into an area that you're hunting, you learn something about the deer's habits or or, or the thermals or all these different scenarios. So every time you go, every time you try, your your odds increase of success next time. So um, I'm just all about that grind and, and getting after it and putting yourself in scenarios where it could happen and and if you keep at it, it will. It flat out will. It doesn't matter what your level of, of archery hunting expertise is or experience. If you keep trying and you keep putting yourself in those scenarios, that's the cool thing about it. Eventually, it's going to come together, and you learn from that, and it just seems like success breeds more success. It did for me. It took me a long time to put an arrow in my first big mule deer buck, and after that, it seemed like the floodgates opened. I kind of you just got this confidence that, man, it, it can happen. You can do it. And, and, but, but, uh, you know, I just love that, that grind and that just keeping after it, keeping after it and, and that feeling when it finally comes together. Yeah. Belief in oneself is so important that confidence and confidence in your, your abilities. And that's, um, that's really interesting, Matt, and really, um, fun to hear that, that, that you guys hunt aggressive as well. That's like, like me, I you know, I see a buck, I want to make a play, and I'm I'm not going to stalk recklessly. If I know the wind's wrong, I won't make a play. I'll wait. If the the buck's not in the right spot, I'll wait. But at the same time, like I've had it before, where I find this this giant buck, and I almost like put him on a pedestal, and I almost go, okay, I can't make any mistakes. Right. And then I've sat there and watched that buck for four or five days, and I haven't made a play. I've wasted almost my entire hunt just just watching and waiting for him. And then, like, I finally feel like he gets in a good spot, and I get over there, and I, I you know, jump a two-point above him, and he runs down into him and blows the, the whole scenario up. So, like, you, you can't just sit and wait. Like, you got to go get into him and go try to make something yep. happen. It's like elk. You can sit and watch him forever, but you just got to go get into him and let your instincts take over and, and move slow and, and don't stalk recklessly. Like I say, don't make unnecessary mistakes. Don't take shortcuts. Don't get caught doing things where you go, God, that was stupid, you know. But you do <laughs> have to just go over and try to make a play on them. you got to try to make right. a play and make something happen. But I'm the same way. Man, anything I see, I think I can kill with my bow and arrow. And it doesn't matter if it's three miles over, five miles over. And, and my hunting partner, Dan, he hunted a day before me a couple weeks ago, uh, late season. And he went down and... Um, it was opening day. There was a lot of guys around, and, and he was just hiking from this trailhead up to this vantage point. And he gets up to the vantage point, and there's a couple guys up there. And um, so, he, you know, he's glassing around, or he had actually glassed it from another vantage point and knew there was a buck in this big open sagebrush basin. And so he went up, and those guys were staring at the same buck. And so Dan kind of talked to him and said, well, what do you guys think? What are you guys going to do? You know, and, and those guys go, man, he's in the wide open. I, there's nothing we can do. We're headed back down. And Dan goes, man, he goes, well, I think I'm going to go all the way down to the bottom of the drainage, go all the way over to the left and up this ridge and get my wind right and then see what I can make happen. Those guys looked at him like he was crazy. Well, Dan ended up killing a 175-inch mature buck in there. He killed that buck that was in that basin <laughs> about four or five hours later and had it all to himself. But those two guys walked away from there, you know, thinking that there right. wasn't a play, there was nothing that they could make happen. but. The longer you spend time with animals, they make mistakes, they move, they put themselves yeah. in bad positions. You just have to believe in yourself, believe in your skills, and go get into them. See if you can make it happen. Yeah, yeah no, I've had just enough of those scenarios where 
it was almost seemed impossible that it could come together. And I've had just enough of those scenarios where it did. And, and it just, you know, even though I always use that as, as fuel and motivation too. I mean, just the other night I was on, or just two nights ago, I, uh, I spotted a buck. He was too far away for the amount of daylight I had, but I thought back to a deer I killed my first big muley and it was the same scenario. I, I just didn't have enough daylight to get to him. I didn't, unless I ran. So what did I, I, I ran. I literally started running on the trail for almost a mile. And that's how I killed my first big mule deer. I I, I just had to to beat the, the sun going down. And I tried the other night. It didn't work out. I just ran a long ways and, and got clear back even further from my, my vehicle and got pitch dark on me but you know i just had that confidence that it could happen and if i didn't try and put myself in that scenario i'd regret it because i've had it work out and so um you 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 just bank those experiences and and it just gives you motivation to to grind and try even when it's it seems impossible and 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 it it, it's not you know i've just had some unreal experiences with that of of it coming together when all the odds seem stacked against you and and um, that's bowling and that's what i love about it so yeah it's so similar to me i've killed bucks running too or bucks that you don't like can i make it there before light well, i gotta try right. you know i <laughs> i killed one that we called the marathon buck that i ran all the way around and you know i actually had more time than i thought like i looked at that right. buck and i didn't think i could get to him before it got darker if i did i thought i'd be the last five minutes of light I actually got to him with about 15 minutes of light and ended up sneaking over and putting a perfect arrow in him. And he was just a, a great big, dark, heavy horn four point, you know, with a couple stickers or whatever. But yeah, you just got to believe and just um, try to give it everything you got every time you have the chance. Yeah. So you, you brought up that big, hard horn, heavy, dark antlered buck I killed in the snow, big giant, typical deer um, years ago. And, and uh, that one, you know, you brought up, you told the story a second ago, and same scenario. Me and Kip were up hunting. We had a friend from from out of town with us, and and we were trying to get him on a deer, and we we spotted this buck, and he was bedded and up on this big thick oak oak face, and and uh, we were in the snow, and it was just it just seemed impossible. And we so Kip sat, Kip and I sat there, and we strategized, came up with our game plan, how we were going to try and kill this deer, and and part of our game plan was we were going to put our friend in the in the position to kill this deer and uh we made our game plan we're sitting there talking and he's just sitting there staring at us and uh we said all right man let's go and uh he looked at us and 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 quote he just looked at us and said there ain't no way in hell you guys are killing that deer that way and we're like yeah we can do it you know let's go and and uh, he said, nope, I'm just going to sit right here and watch. So um, he sat there, and, and about three hours later, he watched me kill that deer through his spotting scope. And uh, it just was just one of those moments where you're like, you know what, it's, it's, uh, that's why you just go try, because you just never know. And, and uh, if you don't, Kip taught me a lesson one day on one of those scenarios. We sat there, and it was just just a a situation where I didn't physically know if I could do it. I was just tired and beat up and it was a stock that was gonna it it about killed me physically and 
and we sat there and I literally had my boots off and rubbing my feet and and just complaining about being sore and and Kip said you know in three days we're going to really regret if we don't go after this deer we're going to be home and we're going to be kicking ourselves that we didn't try he's in a killable spot wasn't another word spoke I laced my boots up and and we went for it and and I killed that buck And, and it just you know you know those kinds of experiences that just motivate me and drive me now and and uh there's no guys want to know the secret to killing animals with a bow and arrow on public land and being consistent you know it sounds cliche but it it's just hard work and effort you put in the time and the effort um obviously you combine that with experience and skill and and practice and preparation but just plain old good good old fashioned hard work uh, will pay off Oh, man, you're so right. Yeah, I have this saying I use all the time, persistence is deadly. You just got to keep trying, you know? Um, yeah, that it, it's so motivational for, for me just to hear you talking about it, Matt, that you just have that, that same mindset. And so it, it's no mystery why you're so successful. You always believe. You're always putting in the effort. You're always putting in the hard work. Um, man, this has just been a, a real enjoyable conversation. The time's just flown by. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I just, I relate to you so much, everything you, you talk about and say and, and strategy and man, I, I think you're right. I think that is the key to success. For sure. It is. And, and you gotta learn to love it too. The whole process, you know, the, along the way. Not just the punching the tag at the end. So nothing feels better than that grind when you're really working hard and putting in all that effort. Like, like I think that's when I'm happiest. You know, even if I don't kill right. him and it's a long stock, <laughs> walking back and I've just got miles and all this elevation. Like I can't help but smile. Like I've learned to love to suffer. Yeah, no doubt. It's people. My wife just looks at me like you're crazy, and uh. It, and she, you know, she obviously doesn't get it. She doesn't honor whatever, but, but I just love, yeah, I love every aspect of it, including putting myself in those uncomfortable scenarios and situations where it's just tough and you, you, you mentally feel good that you, you can go do it and you can survive and you can enjoy it. And, and every once in a while you, you punch your tag or, or have some success that way. But, but, uh, you know, there's just something about, putting in all your effort and, and grinding through it and that just makes you feel good like you said so yep well um i'm pulling for you tomorrow it's the last day crummy weather the odds are stacked against you <laughs> it's it's perfect for you to come through and kill one yeah. of those things so yeah well, go go have some fun tomorrow and uh you're gonna um i'm gonna be at the the ata this year and the sportsman's expo you'll probably be around one of those shows huh i'll be at ata show for sure um the uh western hunting expo here i'll be i'll be off on a, a work trip but i'll be at ata show so hopefully we get a hook up and and uh you know man we we just talked a lot of hunting stories today but uh, i love it and and we'll have to do it again sometime and there's there's so much we could visit about uh, you and i just love to chat and and so many things we could talk about but uh but yeah, it's it's been a ton of fun visiting with you. So yeah, well, um, great. Let's catch up at the ATA and have a cold one and share some stories. But yeah, likewise, man, I could I could do a twenty four hour podcast with you. I just better <laughs> let you get back home to your family and get ready to go hunting tomorrow. But man, I really appreciate it, Matt. And uh, again, yeah, just no always problem, always enjoy talking to you. Yeah, you too, and, and good luck with the rest of your season. And if if I uh, pull off a 
bottom of the night walk off tomorrow i'll send you a picture oh man right <laughs> on well pulling for you all right man i appreciate it okay bye take care brian bye guys that's a wrap um wasn't that a great conversation with matt uh the, the guy is so humble and such a consistent killer and uh with his bow in his hands again public ground self-guided self-researched um that's it it just gains uh my respect just immediately i just i know how tough it is i know how much work i put into it and and um you know some guys turn up good spots or they get good leads here there but it's there are no shortcuts and and it is so tough just to harvest a four point on public lands much less a a world-class deer or a next level deer on on public ground it's just such an accomplishment and matt does it consistently year after year on on big deer killed a bull this year um he, he does it on elk i think he's got 10 bulls under his belt with his bow or something like that or more he's really good at calling has a great approach on elk um just a a great bow hunter and i you know sometimes i think the the best bow hunters among us you know they aren't the most popular guys um i think it's the guys that are grinding that are trying to work a full-time job and and get out and hunting like there's no way to really match up skill versus skill but I just know how difficult it is and and, uh, just have a bunch of respect for Matt and other guys. I have a bunch of respect for you guys out there doing it as well and finding success. Um, So, yeah, uh, great conversation. Thanks again to Matt being on. Um, Okay, sponsor for today's show is High Mountain Seasoning. Um, Again, just great jerky seasonings. Um, I've done a few batches this year and going to do one more. Um, I just love having a big gallon-sized Ziploc bag full of jerky. And, and and protein seems like one of the tougher things to get in the backcountry or the, one of the tougher things to get on hunts. And so when you can have a bag of that golden, it's lightweight. It's just the perfect backcountry food. And when it's done right, it's like candy. I just can't get enough of it. And um, so I've had some really good batches this year. And, and like I say, going to do one more. And it's it's all due to High Mountain Seasonings. Um, they just got some 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 great jerky seasonings, uh, steak marinades, uh, snack sticks, um, you name it, they have it. So make sure to check them out on their website. And thanks to those guys for sponsoring the podcast. And yeah, over there at Eastman's, um, man, it's been a good season. Um, everybody's been turning up good critters and... and um, having a lot of fun and uh, just excited to get together with these guys again and, and uh, record some podcasts with them. And, and um, yeah, it's going to be a, uh, a fun time of year here as we all get ready for 2019. But yeah, I, I can't wait to hear some of their stories and, and sharing some of their photos. And, and uh, so yeah, just be fun to get together with these guys. I, I wasn't able to make it over there for, um, for Christmas or for this, I'm just trying to finish up this house, but boy, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We're almost there. End of this week, we ought to be really close. And um, boy, is that going to be a great feeling to hand this over to my owners. And what a beautiful home. Gosh, it is just a, a work of heart. So much custom in work in there. So much that I'm proud of. So um, really fun to finish that up and yeah, start thinking about these next hunts. This um, one to Arizona, and then I think I mentioned to you guys, but I'm going to go to New Zealand in April. Uh, what an uh, amazing opportunity. I just I can't wait to take my bow over there. So just working on my, my shooting and my fitness for those big tall mountains over there, and I, I want to go super hard. I'm there for two weeks 
and uh, get to hunt some tar and get to hunt some um, some uh, red deer and uh, free range red deer and it's going to be during the roar and so I am just absolutely pumped. I I can't believe that that me just this this average guy working class a construction worker gets to travel you know around the country let alone travel around the world to go to new zealand out of country so i got to get my passport all figured out and um man my i had to book my flights a couple different ways and so i'm gonna have to fly into la from bozeman and then i have to since i booked with a another airline I got a Cyber Monday deal or whatever, so I'm going to have to go grab my bags from L.A. and then check back in through the security and then get on this New Zealand flight. So a little bit worried about my timeline there. I wasn't really thinking that. Most of the time you get on a plane and everything's transferred for you. And so I called Alaska, but I think I'm going to have to recheck out and check back in. But whatever. You know, I, I get to go on a hunt like halfway across the world. I'm not too worried about it. 19-hour flight. Like, oh, my gosh, is that crazy? Um yeah, I'm going to have to find something to do for that time. Hopefully I can sleep. Hopefully those damn chairs recline back more than two inches or whatever. God, they just make you and, – and I'm I'm 5'7". I'm a small guy. I should have room to spare in those seats. But, God, you just can't get comfortable and sleep in those things. But um, I'm going to try like hell anyways. But, uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. Um, just so fortunate in this, this journey I'm on and this, this life I live and, um, I'm exactly where I want to be and, and, uh, just want to continue to enjoy it. So, um, all right, that's a wrap guys. I will check in with you next week. Thanks again to Matt being on the show. Thanks again to High Mountain Seasoning for sponsoring it. And, uh, yeah, with that, um, keep working hard towards your goals.